0: Greetings, everybody. Stephen Gray here again with another interview with uh, leading influencers in the field of psychedelics and consciousness transformation. Uh, Today, I am uh, quite happy, quite honestly, to have with me G. William Barnard, known to me as Bill Barnard. We've had a number of interactions recently. So I'm going to read you a short bio uh, for Bill, and then we're going to just get right into it. So uh, G. William, or Bill Barnard, is a professor of religious studies as well as a university distinguished teaching professor at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. His primary areas of research interest are the comparative philosophy of mysticism, religion, and social sciences, contemporary spirituality, religion and healing, and consciousness studies. For over 15 years, including his ongoing study of Portuguese, Professor Barnard has researched the Santo Daime tradition, a syncretistic, entheogenically-based new religious movement that emerged in Brazil in the mid-20th century. Professor Bernard is the author of Living Consciousness, the Metaphysical Vision of Henri Bergson, as well as Exploring Unseen Worlds, William James and the Philosophy of Mysticism, both published by State University of New York Press. In addition, Professor Bernard is the co-editor of Crossing Boundaries, essays on the ethical status of mysticism. Professor Bernard has also written many journal articles and book chapters on a variety of topics, such as pedagogy and religious studies, the nature of religious experience, issues in the psychology of religion, and most recently, entheogenic religions and spirituality he is also one of the brilliant contributors to the book of which i am the editor and one of the contributors um, uh, how psychedelics can help save the world visionary and indigenous voices speak out there are 25 leading influencers contributing to this book and as i say bill is one of them with a brilliant chapter on uh, becoming divine beings which uh, bill you can correct me later on this if i didn't if i'm not saying it exactly right but i believe you told me uh, that this was more or less received or channeled um, uh, information and uh, he is also the author of this book which is going to be the sort of centerpiece of our conversation today and finally he is one of the Uh, speakers uh, at the upcoming spirit plant medicine conference in Vancouver on November 3rd to 5th and um, along with another nearly two dozen other brilliant influencers and also uh, for the time being anyway and probably right up until the conference uh, the full price is being discounted by 20% and on top of that uh, you can use my personal discount code save the world all one word, doesn't have to be caps or small, and that'll give you an extra 10% off. So that said, welcome, Bill. Thank much. Yeah, thank you. I, I really
1: appreciate it. It's just a joy to be able to talk about these these issues that really matter. And this the book, Liquid Light, was uh, such a joy to be able to write. And, and so now to finally, finally be able to share it with people and that, you know, and, and it's been
0: a real pleasure to get to know you too, Stephen likewise thank you so i've read most of the book um uh, a little bit of speed re- reading and skimming here and there but i <laughs> certainly absorbed a lot of it and i agree with what uh what chris Bay said on the back of the book like liquid light is a monumental achievement uh it's it's really dense with uh brilliant insights and information so my so my first question regarding that then is who do you you know the in the business world in the marketing world they say who is your audience like so who who do you see as the audience for this book
1: yeah actually um that was a real big issue for me when i was writing it because uh you know it it is such a such a. I had to do what, what was called um in portuguese equilibrando os pratos," which is which it, it's it literally means balancing the plates. And so it's like, like a juggler that's got these different plates spinning, right? Mm-hmm. So I sometimes that I've had like at least three separate plates that I had to keep spinning, you know, and then switching from plate to plate. And um, one of them, one of the the, the audiences was uh, was academics that were interested in states of consciousness and, uh, you know, visionary states and, and um, you know, entheogens and um, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, and so I'm speaking to, so it, it's, it's published by an academic press, Columbia University Press. And so I I really need to have the rigor and the carefulness of the thought that that an academic could respect. But I also wanted to have it be written in vivid and compelling enough prose that someone that, could feel that they were, that was just interested in psychedelics and entheogens, in interested in the Santo Domingo, interested in ayahuasca, just more generally, could, you know, feel like they were, uh, in essence, sort of experiencing what it was like to be, um, for instance, you know, traveling in the Amazon with me, or what it, would be, what it felt like from within to to drink ayahuasca and to be participating in these really powerful ritual ceremonies. And and so so you got the academic audience, you got the more general audiences interested in the theogens. And then really importantly, I, I was speaking to fellow daimistas, uh, the people who are part of this path, who take it very seriously and with a lot of reverence. And I've been um, myself... know, an initiate in this path for many, many years, and so I was playing those two those two roles really, the as Mm -hmm. as an academic trained in in religious studies, and then also as a uh, someone who deeply cares about this tradition has has you know a lot of friends in it, right? And so having to sort of balance those two, especially the sort of the critical thought, the willingness to ask tough questions, with the sense of of genuine reverence and respect and gratitude for what this tradition has given me is was at times a delicate balancing act but I, I, I feel pretty good about it you know
0: yeah no I'm 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 I I could tell that that's what you were doing that you had the three audiences. Um, I definitely felt very strongly that the way you were talking to the um, uh who the participants uh, in the in the San Odaimi, uh, religion, religion uh, definitely sensed that. So um, you know we could talk about that for a while, but as I told you before, we hit the old record button. I got a lot of questions for you yeah. that I'm quite excited to ask you. So this one's going to be tough for you to keep keep it to a short one, but I'm going to give it to Anyway, um, okay. for those people who know nothing about the Santo Daime, could you give a very brief sort of summary of what it is?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Santo Daime is what they call the fancy word is a syncretistic religion. Um, syncretistic means that it, it weaves together different uh, strands of belief and practices from different religious traditions. And so this, this is a tradition, a religious tradition that emerged in Brazil. Um, the first official ceremony um, within this religious tradition uh was in 1930. Um it was it was begun by the founder of, of this, is an almost seven foot tall um black man. Uh, we call Mestri Irineo. Mestri is honorific, it means master and uh And he was a son of slaves. Um, He he encountered the indigenous and vegetalista uses of ayahuasca in the uh, Amazon region in Brazil. He was a border guard in between um, Brazil and and, uh, Peru and Bolivia, and became very familiar with this substance. And ayahuasca is is an, an entheogenic brew that are a psychedelic brew that is made from two separate plants one is a vine and the other is is the leaf of a tree and in in this tradition in the the santo daimi tradition um, we call ayahuasca daimi and daimi means Uh, give me as it's used liturgically as as, as like um, give me light give me peace give me hope give me faith right and so it's it's an asking for the from the divine source for these these qualities and so within the Santo Daime tradition we believe that um, this brew uh, when you when you take the leaves and the and the uh, and the bark and, and put them together it's it's combining the male and the female energies of of life together, the male and female aspects of divinity itself, from with from our perspective, uh, because we think that that the divine is both male and female and way beyond either, um, and it combines them into some a third thing, which we would we would say is the Christ consciousness, and the Christ consciousness for us is. Literally, sort of embodied within the daimy, and so it's a, we think of the daimy as a genuine sacrament. Um, so that when you drink the daimy, you're communing with the Christ consciousness, which is simultaneously in the daimy, but also found within our own hearts, within the hearts of every human being. And so, the daimy, uh, one of its major jobs is to open us up to that divine source that lives within us, right? And so the daimy, the santo, I, I I try to make a distinction between the santo daimy as the tradition and the daimi as the as the as the sacrament, but many daimistas sort of use them similar, you know, sort of switch those two terms. But I'm gonna try my best to be uh careful with that. And so the Santo Daimy tradition emerged out of Brazil, like I said, around you know the 1930s, 1940s, 50s, 60s, it began to um slowly grow and change as Mestri Irineo began to receive more insights in terms of how to work with it. And as I said, it was a it's a syncretistic religion, which means that, you know, Mestri Irineo was he was raised uh, Catholic, but it's a type of folk Catholicism. Um and he so he combined that folk Catholicism with again sort of the more indigenous or what was called vegetalista uh, use of, of ayahuasca that was there in the amazon already and and you know brought sort of the christian emphasis of of love and charity into that that type of work um and also uh, eventually there were elements of west african tradition that got blended into the Santo Daime tradition but this is this focus on these uh gods and goddesses of nature um what they call the orishas you know the queen of the sea the queen of the forest um etc cetera, etc cetera, right and then also this whole esoteric wing that that um was very important especially beginning in the late 50s early uh, early 60s um that 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 brought in the belief of you know for instance um, most Dionysians believe in reincarnation we believe in the sense of that that divine inner self um, these sorts of these sorts of understandings also began to be sort of woven into from like yoga and different esoteric Western esoteric traditions and so you have this really um, um, high, the fancy word in religious it would be hybridic religious tradition that is has a has a center has a very clear coherent center but is very open in fact um um messi erineo originally wanted to call his um his his center his church the uh central libre, the, the 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 free and sometimes one of the elders i know calls it the free and open center right, right. so that, sense of a genuine openness to a multitude of religious perspectives um but with with that sort of coherent center uh, of of teachings and the teachings primarily come through hymns and these hymns are not something that are consciously composed but that different elders um would what we call them receive it's almost it's from some, some divine um source that is um is it is hard to hard to talk about because it's sort of of mysterious um but some deeper source within the person where these melodies and lyrics would just bubble up and then become a source of of teachings for people that were singing them together so in the daimy we take take this in the santa Daimy we take the daimy and we sing a lot we pray a lot we meditate a lot um all together so it's a it's a very it's a, it's so many it's a choral religion <laughs> and so there's it's not just like the the shaman does all the work and you just lay down it's a, <laughs> it's a story um everyone is sort of responsible for blending their energies and bringing their heart to it and um and it's and, and so it, it has a different sort of flavor and, and there's even a lot of dancing in it it's not just free form dancing the, the Dime tends to be very disciplined very structured um there's a lot of care given to ritual protocol and and a sense of doing things with a lot of excellence and care and so uh when you get together in what they call a salal the sacred space um you'll have men on one side and women on the other and that's not a hierarchy it's 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 in a circle right and so that there's a sense that that same male female combination of energies that comes together to, cre- the, to create the daimy itself and that we believe is it sort of underlies the the universe is 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 replicated in within the energetic structure of the daimi, the, the 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 ritual space right and so um in the dancing, people, you know, you you stand in your lines and you and, and you you just dance back and forth, and it creates a type of almost like a, a washing machine or what they call <laughs> the current, what we call the cohen just circulate, and it's very powerful.
0: Yes, um, I've experienced it, yeah.
1: So it's, it's, it's quite a unique uh, religious tradition.
0: Very it certainly is, yes, yes. Well, I, I know you could say a lot more about that, but that was that was a good start, and as I mentioned, <laughs> I hope to get through a bunch more questions. So I'm <laughs> going to um, move along. Uh, this might seem like a slight change of direction, but I guess we're sort of heading more toward the, what I would call the deep end of the pool on this one. Um <laughs> Uh, so, uh, for starters, um, uh, and this is a quote from you, uh, well, part of this is what are the limitations of quote, this is from your book, a completely self-governed spirituality?
1: Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I think every religious tradition has its limitations and its gifts. I mean, as, as a religious studies scholar, I just have to say that, um, and the santa daimi is no is no different than this um and it's the same thing with a self-governed uh spirituality i mean i for the longest time um i was myself and, and and beautifully so uh spiritual but not religious right i did not want to be part of any organized religious structure i felt it was sort of Overly uh, constrictive to my own spirituality, my own spiritual search. I didn't want to be defined in any sort of box or anything like this, right? But what what I've, you know, through my years of participation in the Santo Daimi, um I I began to really value the the sense of of an ongoing committed disciplined communal approach to religious to, to spiritual life. And that's what that to me that's what a religion brings to it, right that 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 if you're by yourself you know doing everything you want to do, then there's a a sense I mean it can, it's beautiful, it's free, it's open, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know there's a, there's a types of learning that you can't get when you're always in charge of things.
0: Yeah, right. and there's also the um, danger of, so to speak, I guess you could call it a danger of, uh, when the going gets tough, it's 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 a little too easy. It can be a little too easy to to uh, give up or go in another direction. You know, my old Buddhist teacher Chugim Trungpa said, you know, you can you can give up your spiritual shopping now.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's true, right? And 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 so there's a sense that. You know, I I often think of of you know something like the Santorini. It's like it's a it's like well, some people might cringe,s but it's like a marriage. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's, you have a, a profound commitment to something in this case, that someone Absolutely. that you love yeah. and that you to nourish and deepen into and and have a relationship with. And there is, especially with these types of theogenic traditions, I certainly I can I can certainly speak. I really only speak for from, from the santo daimi tradition it brings up stuff i mean to for hopefully for healing there there's mm-hmm. it has a cathartic uh quality of of bringing up uh, subconscious material for us to look at and hopefully heal and when that process is happening you can feel really raw and it can feel really difficult and and there can be a real tendency to uh, run or to project things onto other mm-hmm. people and so then you have to work with just the reality of, you know, how do you keep your heart open to people when they're rubbing you the wrong way?
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and with oh, yourself, absolutely. you know, you know, mm-hmm. to Trungpa Rinpoche, you uh, you know, said uh, that the path is a series of disappointments and enlightenment is the final disappointment. In other words, you can feel like you're going backwards in a sense, because you're undoing the, the sort of the myths, if you will, that you've lived by. But um, again, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to keep moving along here. Um, I can keep it gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, on, a, on, the, on the sort of uh, other end of that continuum, you know, to the self-governed uh, spirituality aspect you made a few references here and there and i just wonder if you could uh, just speak to this a little bit of the um of the danger or potential of um dogmatic attitudes uh yeah. in the santo Dime. and of course any re- any religion has that potential and if you can squeeze it into the same answer um you did <laughs> use the word grandiosity as yeah. well as uh, a potential so how, how does that happen and you know can you just speak to that in a way that might benefit people
1: well i know for myself i let's just start with grandiosity first uh because i tend to think that that issue and and i I, i'm sure i'm not alone with this is probably the most you know the biggest concern i have about the the use of psychedelics because if these psychedelics can open up these amazing vistas of consciousness and that can give you these just profound insights into who we are in our place, and where we recognize our divinity, and I mean our Buddha nature, and and in a real profound experiential way. And if your ego is is needing to be sort of is sort of fragile and needs to be puffed up or whatever, it can be a sort of a, a sort of a confusion that like that that, that sense of like the specialness of every moment can become like how special we are. Right. Or the sense that, you know, that we're, that, that, um, the insights that we're given or the teachings we're given from different beings is like that we have to take them just completely literally. And I've seen so many people that have received these messages and guidances and there it's like, mm, not exactly the the, you know, I'll say how I put this. Um, every, to my mind, everything that we, every insight we receive, every teaching we receive, and and, and I remember one of the elders uh, in the Santa tradition talking about this exact same thing. Um, so I know I'm not like totally just making this up. It's like that you can receive these visions where these beings will come and tell you certain things and you have to give many grains of salt to that because we are always in the equation and it's not just sort of it's there, there is a sense of participatory nature of these experiences where it's, you know, it's, you have to be really careful and there's a lot of discrimination and, 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 and discernment that's needed in, in, in sort of how to interpret what we've been given by these experiences. And so that's something that, that I, I, I see a lot. And, and so I think, I think everyone needs to go through that, perhaps. Um, But that hopefully, if that's one of the advantages of having a communal context, you can have people mirroring to you and giving you feedback and say, Mm -hmm. "Oh, you might want to just, you know, (laughs) rest with that, and you know, not not go off and leave your job right away or leave your marriage right away, or you know, just take some take some time, sit with it." Mm how it feels right things like this right just really basic and then in terms of the dogmatism um yeah i mean you're right i think that every religious tradition um can has the potential for people because because some of these especially these wisdom traditions have such profound depth to them and um, there can be a tendency, especially when you first get involved um, or deeply committed to a tradition, to feel like you've got all the answers to everything. Right? And that you got the way and you got the truth. <laughs> I and, know that one. You know, and, and, and that therefore other people that disagree with you or have a different perspective, they're lesser or lower or wrong. or, or... Thank God. Most of the Dimistas I know don't Tend to go there mainly because there isn't an emphasis on belief in the in the Santo Diá. There is an emphasis on practice and on experience. Mm-hmm.
0: You know,
1: but people are human, right? And so, as with any tradition, um, there there can be a sense of you know. Uh, I just think this is again more what what you know Ram Dass would call grist for the mill, right? This sense mm-hmm. that just to be a, on uh, the alert on the uh, aware that that's a, a human possibility and for myself just in my own spirituality my own sense of these things i always always have a mm, interaction for me between what and this is this is more christian mystical terms between what they call the apophatic and the cataphatic way the apophatic way is the the way in which you realize that anything and everything you can possibly say about the divine or the you know the ultimate nature of reality is limited is is Mm -hmm. is only words right and the cat but the cataphatic way is saying but we have to have words we have to have ideas that and there's Mm -hmm. some ideas are better than others right some ideas are more helpful than others that's right so I think I always feel there's a balance between these two and so
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know like so for instance there's, like, there's a few things in in some of the hymns that talk about and, and I talk about this in the book about you know um sin, sin. Mm-hmm. you know and 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 I struggle with that and because I don't really have a sense of a, certainly original sin um but you know it's bringing in some of this catholic sort of perspective on things and so I feel and I think this is completely legitimate because there isn't there's no hope in the daimy, there's no catechism in the daimy, there's no sort of you have to believe this um, so we're free to sort of interpret as we will and so for me sin is it, it, I, I tend to go back to the original sense of what sin means which is missing the mark
0: yeah exactly
1: yeah you know yeah. and we all miss the mark <laughs> you, yeah. know, times, yeah. you know and sometimes more worse than others but that's not who we are no. We're not sinful beings. We're divine beings.
0: That's from i right. my... Yeah, right on. I had some trouble with those when I first saw that kind of line. And one that bothered me also... Um, Well, let me say in the context of that, that um, uh, I had not, I had read Forest of Visions, and uh, the the Santo Dami path to work with Ayahuasca had not appealed to me for some of these kinds of reasons, like sitting up in chairs, dressing in white, singing Christian hymns, separating men and women, all those kind of things. But when I finally uh, went to one, because I was invited to do so, um, it was with um, the wife of Paolo uh, Roberto, Padrino Paolo Roberto, um, and... And uh, uh, all that, all that, all those concerns just fell away in the face of the relationship with the daimy itself. Um, you know, that it none of those things seem to matter much. But the one that did bother me occasionally was those who deserve. And I'm sure it's a language issue, but I really don't like, you know, like who, who deserves? Don't we all deserve, you know? Yeah. I I. I... Yeah,
1: I mean that's something I chew on. And and you know what what they say in the daimy about these sort of things is um and and I don't mean to be flippant about this. It because mm. I it's actually real. It's, but the, the, the phrase very frequently is uh that's a study, is what they'll say. You know? That's that's what? Study. It's something oh. to study, you know, mm. it's it's something to to really investigate, to really look into and see, mm. what what do you think about it, you know? And uh so for myself, I studied that that issue is is, is, is in Portuguese is merecimento, you know, um, deserving, and uh, and it, it's. I agree with you. Actually, I, I I'm a big fan of grace. Um, mm. In the Santo Daime, there is a lot more talk about, you know. Um, working hard and purifying yourself and 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 so th- and so there's a sense of um I, I think you know i could have called the I, I flirted with the idea of calling the book liquid grace you know mm. because to me the actual sacrament itself is is a manifestation of grace mm. and so there's a ton i mean a central a, a fountain of grace that's in the santo diami but the hymns speak a lot about cimento, mm-hmm. about deserving, and so you're right. It's something that uh, you know, and, and I think I think it's to at least just feel like that there is a lot of space for people to. Um, there, there, there's not a sense that you have to comply with your beliefs. None right. at all.
0: Yeah, I'm and by of- the way, I've I've decided to interpret that word as. Um, the merit that you've accumulated to be able to be open to those teachings, so to speak, rather than sort of some kind of moralistic, you know, prerog- you, know pr- you know, whatever, pr- note, note, note that, uh, you know, you're not, you, you particular person don't deserve this or something like that. I think anyway, that's a great way to do it, actually, because I think it's, I think it's close to the notion of karma. Mhm yeah Ready. like more Excellent. like readiness you know buddhist teachings they call them self secret like you you're only you know it's not they're not deliberately secret they're secret in the sense or certain teachings are secret in the sense that people can't hear them yet. They're not ready to hear them, right? So um, here's a big one uh, for me, uh, because you spoke briefly uh, in the book about something that I consider absolutely central to what's going on on the planet now. And uh, the way you spoke about it, just very briefly, actually, I think in the book was, that um, the suffering and the darkness that are sort of coming to light more right now, um, you saw from the sort of, um, you know, out there kind of perspective looking down at one point, or maybe several points, that these um, this sort of chaos and turmoil and trouble and darkness coming to light, so to speak, on the planet is very definitely um, happening. It's almost like karmically inevitable to be transformed. Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah, yeah, no. I had a, a
1: very powerful, very pretty early on, actually, what they call a mirror song. A mirassal means a visionary, mystical experience with it, with the dime. And in this mirror song, what I saw, you're right. It was, it was almost like I could, I was um, in almost like in space, or I was like f- distant from the planet. I could see the planet, our planet, the Earth. And it was just being radiated with divine light from all mm. these divine beings, and Beautiful. just, just, pour, just so much light pouring on. But as a direct result of that light and 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 being poured onto it, our planet, all this black tarry goo began to emerge from underneath and to to be brought up to the surface to then to be transformed by that light into light itself. And so it was a real clear sense to me, like, oh, we're, we're, we're heading for some real rough times and it's gonna get really difficult. Mm-hmm. But with the faith and with the faith in this case, not blind faith, but literally like mm-hmm. faith having see, sort of seen this, that you know, in some odd, mysterious way, it's it's because we're going through this process of beautiful spiritual transformation and, and that darkness is hidden and, and all the constrictions and the suffering is there to be to be transformed. And and so it's actually a very optimistic vision in the long run, but it in the short
0: run, it's like, oh, you know, yeah. Young, yeah, I, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and frankly, that was a good part of the reason why I wanted to put this book together is that people need a, a hopeful vision, um, you know, the, a vision that's both hopeful and plausible. Um, yeah. You know, Terrence McKenna once said, if the truth can be told in a way that can be understood, it will be believed. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So especially,
1: I think if if it rings within us, you know, if it's yeah. really true, yeah, it, we, the bell of truth should ring within us.
0: Yeah. So maybe the, he, he could have put it if the truth can be experienced in a way that it's understood yeah uh so um by the way i was going to ask you about the hymn so thanks for answering that one in advance um uh, uh save me a question later on here um, right. so, and i was yeah, also yeah. going to ask you to explain yeah. mirasau's uh Mirasol's a little bit uh but maybe i get you to go uh slightly more specific on that one even um uh you there's this wonderful description it might have been the one you were just mentioning a moment ago um just one of the most mind-blowing things in the book for me that you know definitely got me sitting up straight was when you were talking about this one particular one. It was after a ceremony, actually, and you're lying down, and, yeah. um, and uh, you just, uh, I think you used the word, rocketed up into the astral. Um, and not just that one, obviously, but that one and other ones you described, and this is a quote, meeting deeply fascinating beings. Um, and, uh, and in, the, in the context of that, too, I'd like you to throw in a word on Loki because that kind of blew me away <laughs> as well. But can you talk a little bit about what that's like being out there and these beings yeah. that you've encountered?
1: Yeah, um, sure. Um, this one may take a little
0: longer. <laughs> <Just> to- <laughs> oh, okay. I know. I, don't, I, t- I, don't, I mean, you know, you, you, just, you just shut me up when, when we need to. Okay, but- I'll, I'll scratch my chin when you I want you to move on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: but. Um, yeah, because I mean, I, I have to frame this, this experience It's important to me because sometimes people have the, this understanding that every time you drink the diamond, you're going to have these just mind blowing visionary experiences. And that's not the case. And, I, and, and therefore, if you come in with that expectation, you'll often be deeply disappointed and feel like you just didn't, you, you didn't deserve it or something, you know, it can trigger all sorts of things. Um so I just want to emphasize that this experience that I had—it—it it, it felt almost like um, this was just—it was almost like it was given to me for the book, you know. Like it was so unusual because it went on for oh my gosh hours that I was just traveling in these alternate, non-physical, you know, universes of experience, these astral worlds. Um, and having these levels of experience that were extremely vivid, it, it felt like I was in part of a, you know, like a sci-fi novel or some sort of fantasy. It was in these very profound, archetypal levels of reality that were um, very, um, if you know. So, for instance, what that figure you were talking about, I call him Loki because he was this um, being who was just full of power and felt utterly free. And he was just, um, he was a spiritual being that, that unknowingly in some ways just was creating all sorts of chaos down here on this level, but it was still, he was still aligned with the deeper divine plan on some level on some really profound way. And so in this experience, I was like, literally like, the image was like uh, almost as if he was had this like motorcycle this jet engine motorcycle that he was just like rocketing through the astral and i was behind him i was just like just sort of joking like saying i was almost like a biker chick or something right Mm -hmm. And, and then i would like merge with him and then separate and and at a certain point he was just free and alive, right so that that quality of just no restrictions no boundaries just doing what you want and um that's you know sort of embedded somewhere in the universe and playing itself out but at a certain point in that in that visionary experience i also um began to because this is part of it is like i sort of kept merging with the beings that i was interacting with so there was there wasn't just like me the being me here and the being over there we're totally separate like we tend to experience ourselves in this world it was a a fusion and very porous and interactive and so at a certain point i began to less be with that being and more began to identify with the divine mother actually the just and and just we or she was just sending this being this just energy of calm, just calm, just mm. come quiet down a little bit. That's it. you not to be so wild, you know, almost like a little, like a mother with, a, with an unruly child because it was still loving, right? It wasn't, it, there was no sense that this, this being was evil. It was just sort of, you know, mm-hmm. chaos creating, you know, in the best sense of the word, right? I know that sounds odd to say chaos is best, but I mean, there's, you know, in the sense that breaking structures and things like this. Um, so, so yeah. Um, and, and, and the other thing I wanted to say is that in, in the book I talk about uh, two different ways to interact with, with these, with these non-physical beings, because in, in our, in our line of the daimi, um there is, it's not just the mirror that that which is the plural for mirror science, mirror the mirrors it's not just you you can and and do have these interactions with these beings in a sort of almost more like a um visionary way um but you can also have interactions with these beings through what we call mediumship where mm-hmm. beings um so it's, so saw tends to be more like you're going up and out. It's more like a shamanic journey, so to speak, a void. And, and a mediumship is more like the beings coming in to you and incorporating, so I'm going to call it incorporation, into your body and mind. But in both of them, there is that sort of play between self and other and that interaction and in different Gradations of self and otherness that that to me is the, one of the most fascinating things about the encounters with these these um, mm-hmm. non-physical
0: beings, right? Yeah, and, and I, you used I was, the term uh, co-consciousness at one point.
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the whole thing in there in the, in the book, which you know, I, maybe we'll have a chance to talk about. Um, I use these two philosophers that I studied, William James and Henri Bergson. Uh, to try to make sense of of this this sort of um as you pointed co-conscious how to how 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 can we be co-conscious with other beings because and sometimes with these mediumship experiences you can be co-conscious with several layers of being simultaneously and that's all happening within the greater consciousness which to me I, I tend to be I, I tend to have this understanding that the entire universe is created by a divine consciousness mm-hmm. and so because of that everything is playing within its different levels of consciousness within that Supreme Universal consciousness anyway so it's all consciousness for me right and so so the sense that that these consciousness because consciousnesses can coexist simultaneously, is utterly rivetingly fascinating
0: it is and it's extremely radical from conventional worldview oh. in our culture too it's quite out there in that sense so mm-hmm. speaking of those you know one of the beings or types of beings that you reference, and i have a very specific question about this one that caught my attention are they uh kaboclos, which are sometimes considered to be native american spirits well um in one of your passages about them, and this is uh, these three words at least are directly quoted from the book, that they can, quote, feel really bird-like, and the reason that that caught my attention is because um, back in the days of the late 80s and early 90s, when the publishers were jumping all over people that claimed to be channeling, one of the most popular ones was a guy named Ken Carey, C-A-R-E-Y, and one of his books was called The Return of the Bird Tribes. Um, and um I just wonder if you've had any further kind of sense of is is there some notion of uh, like bird spirits or bird tribes kind of coming back in to help with this transition? I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, see with with all these
1: things and I want to again emphasize this, I tend to um, and I talk about this in the book. I I have my my own understandings and but I'm I'm so. Um, completely aware of the limitations of every person's understanding it's meaning that i i give this um this is from william james he talks about that he thinks that many that most human beings are like dogs in a library you know they they're walking around the library and they're experiencing books but they don't have a clue what books are right Mm. and 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 so that I think that we're sort of the same, even if we have these really powerful and profound experiences. There's all sorts of levels of understanding reality that that we have have yet to grow into. Let's hope, or that are frankly just beyond us. In the same way that I'll never experience what a bat's level of reality is. You know, it's that's just not my world, right? Mm-hmm. So I also give this example of a you know almost like a goldfish, right? It's inside its little bowl and it's got its little plastic you know, a castle and plastic palm tree. And it gets scooped up out of that all of a sudden. And it's like, we're just flat flopping mm-hmm. around and like, what's this, you know? And sometimes mm-hmm. it can feel like that with, with these mirror science, you know, that it's like, there's these, we're in this just wild, weird and wonderful world that, we get some understanding from but i just think it's really important to be really humble with these things mm-hmm. right and um so anyway given that given all that um my sense with the close is uh i I'm, I'm completely fine to use as a um as a the fancy word in in, in, in academia would be as a heuristic device meaning like mm-hmm. as a gene as a as a way as a sort of a temporary framing to think of them as spirits of native Americans. this is the way this is coming from a religious tradition called umbanda which is has millions of people in some mediumistic tradition in brazil um it's, it's indigenous to, to brazil that's also very similar to the daimia fusion of, of folk catholicism esotericism what's called spiritism and and some uh, west african traditions um and so Umbanda has a very you know clear notion of these of these Caboclos as the spirits of these Native Americans who were um who fought against the Portuguese conquerors, right? Mm. And so they were they were they were strong and virile and courageous and they were profound healers and um and they come in it with my experience of them um when they come into this the energetic space of the salao of the ritual um space with because there are certain types of rituals in the Santanami that we call healing works healing works meaning rituals um, that are open to mediumship and, it, and there are certain rituals in which these kaboklos are invited with their certain hymns that tend to call different beings and so there's certain hymns that tend to call the kaboklos into the space and time um and my sense when they come in they do feel bird like there's a sense of whoosh, and mm-hmm. then, and they um they uh th- there's a whistling but there th- there's there's a certain way in which they tend to sort of like um clear energy and bring a lot of vitality and life and freedom and joy and vigor into the collective space beautiful and, that seems to be the, their at least one of their works. And then there's they, they can be profound teachers and genuine mm-hmm. and healers. Cause I know the man that I first started um, um, with the Dami, and I described this and um he he I mean uh channels different um beings, but especially these, a few of these Kaboklo spirits, and they're just profound teachers. And mm-hmm. so so I think that they I don't know if they're they're often they're sometimes depicted as like half bird half humans
0: mm-hmm. um, so I don't know beyond yeah. that That's interesting or not well on that sort of general uh, notion as it were of um, Native American beings which and by the way I, th- I assume you're referring to using the term American for all the Americas as opposed to North America um, <clears throat> on that notion like Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Having read about and been around uh, Native Americans, North Americans, that is, um, in particular, um, uh, through the Native American church and so on. I know that um uh animal helpers or animal spirits are a big part of it uh, one of the roadman that I used to sit in meetings with a lot said you know he listed off about six uh, uh animals of one kind or another that he said I have like bear spirit and I have eagle spirit and I have hawk spirit I don't have any cat spirit at all <laughs> um, but uh as far as I know and it didn't other than a, a, a very unusual looking lizard being of some kind or another, um, which didn't seem earthly at all, uh, yeah. there was no reference in the book of, um, of spirit animal kind of helpers and guides and so on like that. And, it, and, and I don't think it doesn't show up in the hymns as far as I know either. So do you, do you have any, any short answer on why that would be?
1: Yeah, it's fascinating to me, right? And it's part of the mystery of ayahuasca more generally and and the daimy specifically. Um, To what degree does this same sacrament open us up to different levels of encounters with different, you know, qualities or types of beings because you know it's very common just you know in the literature for sure like in south america you know to have these all these these uh power animals especially um like you know jaguar and and the anaconda is, is very much linked to ayahuasca and you don't see that that much um and i don't know whether that has to do with the uh, the, the hymns themselves as you mentioned don't tend to you know bring up that so much it almost mm-hmm. uh, almost never and so is it a sense that you know because they have that that's that's creating that's that setting right we call that the set and setting with with psychedelics right so there is a type of ritual um expectation and and environmental sort of uh holding that perhaps is is certainly more conducive to um encounters with other types of beings um it's it's i have genuinely that's a great question because i have i have really puzzled over that Mm. um and um i i I know for sure that daimistas personally have experienced that Mm. um but it's not talked about much and it's not incorporated into the religious structure of the Santo Daimy itself and um i think it's you know, the Santodami sort of moved away from that more neo-shamanic style of work with ayahuasca and began to become, you know, go in a different direction. And so perhaps that calls, that sort of intentionality call, I think there's something about, we we talked about this before, that that participatory um, quality of working with these substances. And so I think, you know, perhaps that began to call different qualities of beings into the space than, than, than were there with a more shamanic intentionality.
0: Right? That That's exactly what I would tend to think too, yeah. Um, so moving along, if we may, um, there's another subject that you never mention in the book. Um, it's not central to the Santo Daimi, and I don't even know if you wanna talk about it, so you're welcome to tell me to piss off on this one. Um, and uh, that is that in some lineages of the Santo Daime, um, the cannabis plant is considered a sacred plant of, of much benefit, known as Santa Maria. Yeah. Um, uh, can you speak a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I've got to be really careful about that, right? I because, figured, yeah. Um, and I gave a lot of, lot of careful thought about this issue. Um, because, you know, in, in Brazil and in some parts of the United States, cannabis is not legal right and so i talked to some of my anthropologist friends in terms of just the ethics what you know and 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 what they said is that if anything you're going to say could possibly endanger people that you love you should not write about it because i would say the ethics of you know do do i keep do i about truth versus care it's almost Mm -hmm. the competing ethical perspectives right and so there's a lot that can be said historically certainly that's already in the record about the use of of cannabis within and um the 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 major line of the Santo daimi which i'm i'm affiliated with definitely respects other um respects and honors other uh sacred plants and um even though the primary, you know, sacrament is the daimy, you know, there there are these um, certain certain elders have have produced what uh, uh, been inspired to to create what they call alliance works where they'll invite you know people from the red road tradition, people from the you know the psilocybin mushroom tradition, and well they'll do they'll they'll come together and 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 partake of the different sacraments sort of sequentially um mm-hmm. it's a way to sort of commune and you know and 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 show respect to these different traditions and pagino Sebastiano, um who's the um the one of the most important sort of um um successors of de after he died and and the, and the person who was the head of of this the the largest line of the santo dino the Sifluris line and it's kind of called isaflu um uh himself was very was, was was um exposed to the to cannabis the use of cannabis by um so this was like in in the 70s by sort of the wandering backpackers that came into his place on the way to peru to you know so his his center became like a a stopping point back and forth people going to machu picchu and things like this and and um and it began to be integrated into the the ritual life of the community, actually, and 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 used with a lot of reverence. Uh, the there were gardens of cannabis that were arranged like in like with mandalas and with a ton of prayer, and um, it was very very um, treated with a ton of reverence and still is. But at a certain point. In Brazil, our, the representative uh, is the same elder I was talking about before, um, Virginia Alex Polari. He was our representative with meeting with other ayahuasca traditions in, in Brazil. And <clears throat> these other um, ayahuasca traditions were very opposed to the use of cannabis and were, were, were concerned that that if 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 we were insisting that this is also part of the legalization process that ayahuasca itself would not would be the legalization of ayahuasca would be threatened and so we made an agreement which we have honored that that from now on cannabis will not be used for official church within official church ceremonies Mm -hmm. Um, that doesn't mean that it can't be used more informally by mm-hmm. people in in different contexts, and um, so there is a lot of reverence and respect for cannabis, I think. But it's but it's not officially sanctioned anymore. In fact, it's is saying no. We're, we're 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 going to in order to honor the uh, the legality of, of ayahuasca more mm-hmm. generally in
0: Brazil, we we made that agreement. That, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. So we're getting close to what I think is the time where we should consider wrapping up, but I have one or two more questions for you, if you have the time.
1: I do, I love, I love this
0: conversation. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, we were speaking a little bit earlier about fascinating beings in the astral world, great beings, um, and at one point, you, um, you made a statement which I thought was quite bold, and I'd like to hear what you have to say about it. Um, This is part of a sentence, but I'm quoting directly. I could clearly perceive God, and then in brackets, yes, the God. So, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I mean, you sure? Are you sure? (laughs) I
1: know. I mean, but and remember, I remember what I said really earlier about, you know, that y'all had to take these things with a grain of salt, right? and, uh, and, but what the the other thing this this elder said is there are certain experiences that you can trust mm. that come with a uh just that profound knowing of that this is truth with a capital T. And this is that was one of those experiences. Mm. Um and I'm a religious studies scholar. I'm very, very aware of, you know, I I because I described this being, I mean, literally like, almost like a Polynesian king. And, and, and it was with a, a, a woman who was also the divine mother, the, you know, also God. And, and, and I was that son, you know, and that's can sound their son and that can sound very grandiose, right. But from within the Santo Daime tradition, each one of us, that's our heritage. We are sons and daughters of that supreme god and goddess right the the, we don't typically use the word goddess in the diamond tradition we typically talk about the divine mother but there is that sense of god is both right and and again but again much much more certainly in my understanding of god so i i i do feel that this was a genuine experience of god as an as an archetypal reality Mm. right so it's not god as they somehow limited like god is only that or this is the only way to think of god but it was like that that form of god that that there was something truly divine about that it didn't feel like it was made up it felt very profoundly sacred and Mm -hmm. um and genuine and true and utterly powerful and at ease and and the the essence of what I think is the archetype of nobility and majesty, hmm. right? Um, and so, where the best qualities of a king or queen, right? Where that, again, archetypally sort of emerges from. So, that's what I would say that that experience was. Beautiful. Um, it, yeah.
0: yeah. No, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. No, it's, you've had these amazing experiences, Bill. It's just incredible. Um so, <laughs> what's that? I say I'm not alone. That's what's so amazing, right? You
1: yeah. talk about in the book. It's like, it's like, it's like a democracy of mysticism, which mm. is
0: with psychedelics in general. It's not limited to the Santo Dime. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons psychedelics are so important right now. And one of the ways I've been thinking about it. and This is a little bit of a blunt way of putting it, but the age of the guru is 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 past. You know, it's not, it now. It's about many people waking up. So, um, I would, you know, it's nice to leave it on a, on a high note as it were, but just, I'm going to end it on, on, on what you might call more of a fun question. You may have no answer for it actually, but, um, you know, you talked a lot about merging with consciousness with other beings, right? Co-consciousness and so on. And, um, uh, it reminded me of a of um, a book, uh, three books by a guy named Hank Wesselman, who claimed that he had um, he was a student of uh, Hawaiian shamanism and he claimed that he had these out of body experiences, traveled five thousand years into the future and merged with the body of Hawaiian shaman who was now living in in the coastal California area because Hawaii had gone under along with the flooding that destroyed you know, pretty much the whole world, according to this. Um, and they were just living a primitive, uh, you know, technologically primitive life. But he merged with this uh, fellow. So the question I'm asking is, from any experience you've ever had, do you have a sense that time travel is possible? <laughs>
1: I don't know. Um, I I have to say that the second book that I wrote was, was on Henri Bergson, and he is the in my to my mind one of the most important thinkers on the nature of time Mm. and he's pretty clear that um time uh okay let's see uh, if if you believe in freedom and the freedom of will and, and choices that you make it becomes a little harder to talk about like a a pre-existing future right Mm -hmm. then it means that it's all sort of deterministic it's all sort of already ready made um and so i tend to think that the future is more open and alive and there may be different possibilities to the future um i do think though more and more just from the evidence that and this is way i've seen some evidence of of you know precognitive abilities that people have had you know Mm -hmm. Really, been able to predict very accurately about what's going to happen in the future. I don't think the future is fixed, but I do think that there is a, um, like a, you know, something like ability hurricane. Yeah, you know, like you can see there's certain pathways it's probably going to go. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's sort of like that, and I think we we do have that when we get begin to escape from the boundaries of our egoic identity more and more, we begin to get this. Uh, different perspective on time that's almost like, um, and, and I think this is way too simplistic, but it's almost as if, you, you know, we can think of time as sort of linear, like that, 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 you know, past, you know, that, that we're heading towards the future. But if you, you're like up here, you begin to get more of a synoptic view of all of it at once in a sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I have that combined with Bergson's notion of the openness of the future. And, and mm. they they don't fit comfortably together. <laughs> yeah, so I tend to think that in some ways time travel is more like getting glimpses of possible futures, mm-hmm. something like this, that, something like that.
0: That makes complete uh, sense. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, uh, let's bring it to a close here in a moment, um, and. I just want to um, uh, uh, again uh, mention to uh, viewers and listeners that uh, uh, G. William Bernard, Professor Bernard, Bill Bernard, to me and others, um, is the author, among other books, of this book, *Liquid Light*. It's a stunner. Um, as he mentioned in early in the interview, uh, he he is aimed it at sort of three. Uh, loosely con- loosely defined markets: the academic market, the general public that's interested in psychedelics, and the diamistas who are already on one level or- level or another involved with the Santo Dime. And there's certainly lots of meat in there for those people, or vegetables if you're not a meat eater. Um, <laughs> and Bill is also again going to be one of the. Uh, Two dozen or so speakers at the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference. I hope you can come to that. It's going to be a stunner, I promise you. And finally, I'd just like to put in a word for this book again, of which Bill is one of the contributors with a beautiful essay, which he pretty much downloaded, as I understand, uh, on becoming divine beings. So um, that's that's more or less accurate about the way that chapter came to be, is it not, Bill?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it was definitely just sort of like... just like like taking dictation
0: yeah Yeah. well um it's a beautiful book uh it's very important book i think and um i'm i got a lot out of it it's pretty amazing so thanks a lot and thanks for the conversation and i certainly look forward to seeing you again uh in just barely over four weeks actually in vancouver amazing I can't wait.
1: I cannot wait. It's been a joy to have this conversation with you, Steve. It's been also just a pleasure to get to know you as a human being.
0: Well, I feel honored to be able to have this kind of communication with you, Bill. Absolutely. And um, so will you stick around for a minute after we officially close the, uh, the recorded part of this conversation? Thank you. Okay, thanks a lot, Bill.